Hey guys, you know yesterday I watched, finally watched, The Folly of Celestia. The Folly of Celestia, in case you guys want to know, is a fan animation that was distributed by Fob Equestria, F-O-B Equestria, here on YouTube. And they did a follow-up uh, live stream yesterday, kind of like a behind-the-scenes deal, talking about um, how it all came about, basically giving their views on uh, the story as well. And I have to say that if you've not seen The Follies of Celestia, I recommend you do. The Follies of Celestia, in my opinion, is very well done. Now, from what I understand by listening to parts of the live stream yesterday, it took years for this overall project to come together. Um, Josh Scorcher, who directs and produces or co-produces it, uh, basically had to go and get help from any part of the uh, fandom that he could rely on the friends that he had to kind of help him out and the end result is something that like I said you have to watch and see to believe it is so well done that it feels like you're watching a episode of Friendship is Magic but more along the lines of a lost episode now the story in my, now the story is based off a of fanfic uh, by the same name and basically, the fanfic was a lot longer. It had more characters. I think it had some OCs, like Firebrand was in there, which is Josh Scorcher's OC in the MLP community, as well as others. Uh, but for the sake of, as Josh put it in the live stream, not putting too much stress on the animators and uh, the rest of the staff that was working uh, on the project along with him, he decided to cut out a few things. Like I think he said his OC was probably going to play a major part or at least a semi-major part in the story. And he decided to kind of reduce that down and say, no, we're not going to do that. We're just going to focus on the main course or the main core of the story. And the main core of the story is uh, Twilight gets kidnapped by this unknown uh, being, uh, unknown pony, who basically has the same powers equal to her. And this unknown pony, who goes by the name of Vesper, you know, basically has a disdain, a hatred for Celestia because she feels Celestia is not who she says she is, that she's a witch, she's a tyrant, and that she doesn't care about any creature or any pony else but herself. And the reason she brings this up more specifically to Twilight is because she asked the one thing to Twilight that a lot of the fandom has always wondered, and that's basically what the story uh, on both ends, fa you know, the fanfic and the animation adaption uh, are based on, is the, is the one question, if not the several questions, that a lot of fans have always had. And that is, does Celestia consider Twilight's feelings? Did Celestia consider Twilight's feelings uh, about becoming a princess, about becoming the princess of friendship, becoming an alicorn? Did, you know, Celestia always keep things hidden from Twilight when she could have just easily told her, hey, this is what's going to happen, I need you to... I need you and your friends uh, to go take care of this. You know, basically that's what this animation does. That's what, you know, Vesper's role in this story is, is to answer or to basically ask those questions and try to get the answers. Uh, and later on we find out, a bit of spoilers here, we find out that Vesper is Twilight. And that we found out, and that we find out that where Vesper, a.k.a. Uh, broken down Twilight, uh, has taken the real Twilight is an alternate, is another dimension. Not an alternate dimension, not an alternate timeline or anything like that, but another dimension that's very similar to the prime dimension. And 
the reason she did this is later on towards the end as Twilight reveals that she kind of figured out who Vesper is. Uh, is because Vesper basically um, acknowledges a lot of the events that Twilight and her friends went through as if she was there herself. And one thing about Vespa, when we finally get the overall reveal of who she is, because she has this cloak on her, uh, on her body and over her head to kind of hide her identity. Um, later on, when she removes it after Twilight figures out who she is, much to her shock, well, much to her surprise, because she's like, the only conclusion is, you're me. And again, you know, she removes, after that revelation, you know, she removes the cloak and everything. And what we see is not just a, uh, a disharmony, almost a disharmonic version of Twilight, but we see a disharmonic version of Twilight who's cut her rings off. She's cut her alicorn wings off as a symbolic way of saying, hey, I never wanted this. And I know deep down you never wanted it. So, I mean, she even, well, she, that's kind of the illusion you get. But she also kind of tells Twilight, look, I'm not you. I'm what you should be. I'm what you should have been. I'm the one on, I'm the pony that you should have become um, by standing up to Twilight, the Celestia, I should say, and telling her, no, I don't want this. Now, of course, Celestia and Luna do track down Twilight and find where she was taken. And Celestia does ask Twilight, because when Vesper, uh, broken down Twilight, sees them for the first time, Vesper feels, hey, look, this is the perfect opportunity for you, Celestia, to admit your faults, to admit that you took advantage of us and you weren't straight with us, you weren't truthful with us, you didn't tell us everything we needed to know. Or basically, is the one question that a lot of fans have had, and like I said, I believe this is what Vesper's role was, is, you know, Celestia didn't consider uh, Twilight's feelings or, consult, or, con, um, or consult with her uh, whether or not this is what she wanted or whether or not she would want to take on this responsibility of being the princess of friendship. And like I said, Celestia has this poignant moment with Twilight when Vesper points out something. She points out in a flashback. And that's one thing about about uh, The Folly of Celestia is the animation is, like I said, it feels like you're watching an episode. It's not on par as to what the later seasons would be, but it feels like, you know, it belongs, it feels like you're watching the, an actual episode from earlier seasons. But like I said, obvi but obviously, like a, a, what I'm trying to say is it obviously takes place um, during the later seasons, more likely between seasons 8 and 9, if not between season 9. But anyway, getting back on point here, uh, Vespa points out, you know, who Celestia has selected to be the Princess of Friendship. That she has selected someone that mentally, as she put it, is unstable to become the Princess of Friendship. She even points out that because of that mental unstableness, one of the first spells that Twilight had created, I think maybe as the Princess of Friendship or before, was the needed wanted spell. So her base so basically her question was why would you choose us? Me, Twilight, you know, us, basically Twilight, both versions, if you will. Why would you choose us to be a princess? Why would you do that without realizing you were choosing possibly the wrong pony for the job? So 
so yeah, it, it does. It digs really right into a lot of stuff, into a lot of the questions that fans have always had about whether or not Celestia considered uh, Twilight's feelings towards this change that she went through. Now, Celestia does do a good explanation to, you know, kind of explain why she did this to Vesper, a.k.a. Uh, Broken Down Twilight. She does her best to explain that, you know, she saw potential in her and that she saw a pony that the more she learned, the better she got uh, at, you know, what she was learning and the more, you know, basically eligible I, w well, I'm not, I wouldn't say eligible but the more worthy she was becoming of being that princess of friendship because she was learning about friendship in a natural way and yes it took lessons it took tests and all that to kind of help her out but Celestia saw that potential she saw basically she didn't say it in the story but she basically saw the her the error the heir to the throne if you will of Equestria now, she didn't see that, say that in the fan animation, but that's basically what she's alluding to. And basically, she says the three words that Vesper rejects. She tells Vesper, a.k.a. Broken Down Twilight, like the real Twilight, that she loves her. And that's why she always wanted the best for her. And that's why she had to go through these things, because she saw the best in her. She's, she saw that potential. But Vesper is like so long gone that she just does not want to accept this. She does not want to hear it. Now, what's interesting about this is we kind of get an idea of exactly why Vesper, broken down Twilight, has become the way she has become, the way she's become so resentful. And she has this thing on her neck. And when, you know, Twilight tells Celestia, because like I said, Celestia asked Twilight whether or not she resents her for putting her through what she did. And Twilight's like, no, I never could. And she explains why. And after she explains that she can never resent her and that she always knows she'll be there for her, you know, they have an embrace. Vesper just loses it. But what you see, you know, but what you hear out of her voice and then what you see out of her eyes is very similar to what you've seen with Sombra, with the power that influenced Sombra. And basically, as I was saying, you kind of see this thing on Vesper's neck that at the end, when she takes it off and throws it at the mirror and shatters the mirror, it's almost like she's accepting that this is not who she wants to be, that maybe, you know, she has a chance to redeem herself and become perhaps what Celestia intended her to become. Because at the end, after they kind of leave the room, because Twilight asked Celestia if, if there's anything they could do for her, and Celestia says there's not, but then she shoots like what looks like to be a, a sun symbol into the sky eye and then tells Twilight, but I think I know someone that can. And at the end, when they leave this broken down Twilight, you know, to, you know, sob and, whis and whimper and basically keep saying, she doesn't love me, she doesn't love me, she doesn't love me. In comes that dimension, Celestia, that I guess kind of comfort her and make her realize you're wrong. You know, we are here for you. I am here for you. And then, like I said, at the end, you see Vesper, Broken Down Twilight, look up, see Twilight, see the see that dimension Celestia being there for her, takes off the necklace, and then throws it at the mirror and shatters it. Because, to me, what that symbolizes is, hey, she's accepted maybe, 
you know, maybe it isn't Celestia's fault and fault, and maybe she as she as the real Celestia, as Prime Celestia pointed out, you know, that this is something that she wants for her because she because she sees that potential. And that if anybody could help bring Vesper broken down Charlie back to sanity, back to acceptance, then it's Celestia herself, even if it's from another dimension. But overall, um, the story is really good. I know I may have spoiled a little bit it, uh, of it, but you have to watch it, though. You have to overall watch it yourself because it's so, so well done. I mean, the animation, like I said, feels like you're watching an episode of MLP, if not a lost episode of MLP. Um, and from a continuity standpoint, if you wanted to place it into the show's continuity, it feels like it takes place in between the final seasons. Mostly, it feels like it takes place between seasons 8 and 9, if not somewhere in the middle of season 9, like maybe during the mid-hiatus or something. You know, that's where it feels like it takes place. Um, and like I said, the animation, you know, makes it feel like you're watching an episode. And the people they chose to voice the characters, I think, did a great job. Now, of course, with any fan animation or any fan project that invo involves voicing characters, you're not going to get the actual voice actors or actresses to come in and voice those characters. Um, for one, you have, I can't think of her name right now, but she lives in the UK, and unfortunately they couldn't get her for the live stream yesterday. But she basically voiced Twilight and Broken Down Twilight in this fan animation. And the one thing that Josh and a lot of them did give credit to and allude to uh, for this girl is, even though she has a British accent, that the moment she started voicing Twilight, that accent went away. And in my opinion, it sounded like you were not listening to this girl. It sounded like you were listening to Tara Straw, in my opinion. You were listening to Tara Strong being Twilight and, I, and being the uh, opposite of her, the broken down Twilight, the, the Vespa character. It sounded like it was Tara Strong voicing it. You know, when you had uh, Ink Rose, who they got to voice Celestia, it you you could tell it's a different voice, but you could definitely feel like it, it sounded like it sounded like Nicole Oliver, but with a deeper tone in it, like a more serious tone. And I have to give Ink Rose credit. She did such a great job, in my opinion, as Celestia, that even though you could tell it was probably somebody different, it, it felt like Nicole Oliver was there. It felt like Nicole Oliver was voicing the character, but being doing it in a more serious, somber tone. And Nicole's been known to do this. I mean, if you listen to some episodes to where Celestia has to be in this manner, has to be voiced like this, and you compare it to how she's voiced in The Follies of Celestia by Ink Rose, it feels like Nicole Oliver is voicing her and not Ink Rose. That's, a, that's, a, that's how good Ink Rose's uh, voicing of Celestia was. Now, they also got somebody else called Scribble, Scribble Productions to voice Luna. And apparently Luna was supposed to have a bigger role. But like I said earlier... Um, Josh wanted to kind of cut back on a few things, not to put too much stress on the rest of the staff that was helping to bring this to life. So she only had a few roles and she only had a few moments in there. Like one of the moments was she had to use her magic to restrain Vesper so Celestia could talk to her and explain why she did this, as well as send out that signal to that dimension to Celestia to come in 
and help you know the beginning stages of bringing Vesper broken down trilight back to sanity back to acceptance back to reality so overall so overall though the voice actors or actresses they got for this I thought did a phenomenal job and I can't say any more than that because it felt like you were listening to the actual character the actual voice actors or actresses voicing the characters even though you knew it was people out of the community it, it's just it's, overall they just I'm just going to say it they just did a phenomenal job and maybe Hasbro needs to look into the brony Pegasus the community of the MLP fan base and say hey we could get this person on board to do maybe one role or one character for an episode in a future MLP series maybe G5 and go from there that's how good of a job that they did in my opinion now like I said going back now going back to the animation I thought it was great they definitely took cues from uh, Magic Mystery Cure, the uh, season three finale, where at the end Twilight becomes an alicorn. They definitely took inspiration from that because if you listen to the ballad, uh, uh, the ballad of Celestio, where she's showing Twilight all the moments that she's gone through before ascending, having before helping her ascend into alicorn status. You see all these, you see all these moments from previous episodes going by and everything, and when they would uh, reminisce or they would talk about previous moments uh, throughout the series, where Twilight would go on these tests or these missions and all that, the Celestia would send her on. You know, when Twilight and Vesper would talk about that, you could see the influence from the Ballad of Celestia, where you see you know, scenes from the episodes being shown or the key episodes they were talking about or the key moments they were talking about in the series as visual aid to, you know, kind of express, you know, what was going on and what was being discussed. True, they used some of the um, artistic chibi-like uh, characters that we've seen in fan animation as well as in the series as examples. But again, the biggest... Uh, surprise to me or the biggest animation um, success that they had with this was incorporating the um, the scenes and the moments from the series that reflected to what they were saying and I thought that was such a great job I thought that was they I thought they did such a great job on that um, overall I, I can't say any more about the folly of Celestia than than I think anybody else can and like I said my suggestion is my suggestion is to go and watch this 30 minute, over 30 minutes, about 30 minutes, 25 seconds from when I clocked in, uh, fan animation. And I believe you will enjoy it just as well as anybody else. It is so well done, in my opinion, that, again, it feels like you're watching an episode out of the series, but it's a lost episode. And from a continuity standpoint, it feels like it takes place between seasons 8 and 9, if not somewhere in the middle of season 9, maybe during the, mid, during the uh, hiatus of season 9, of, of, you know, basically of where, that might, of where it may take place is what I'm trying to say. That basically, you know, it feels like from a continuity standpoint, as I'm trying to point out, that it takes place between seasons 8 and 9 and possibly in the middle of season 9, possibly after the mid-season finale of Between Dark and Dawn. So, 
Overall, I do recommend watching it. I think you'll all enjoy it. It did so well done, in my opinion. Um, and it definitely shows you that if you take your time and you want to make something look good, you want to make something feel almost legit and official, that it may be, it may take years, but the end result in the end is perfection. And I think that's what they got here. I mean, even Josh said that the, one of the guys that they hired to come on board and help edit uh, this story is someone that takes their time. That it may, you know, they may have other projects to work on, but when they get back to working on another project that they feel needs the time and effort put into it to make it look good, the end result is magnificent. So, again, overall, I highly recommend watching this. It's going to... I'll be honest with you, it will tug at your hearts a little bit. It will kind of get you a little swelled up, just a tiny bit. Um, you know, especially at the end. Uh, but overall, I would highly recommend watching it. It is so well done, in my opinion. Credit goes to everybody involved. And that's really all I can say. So check out The Folly of Equestria. You can find it at FOB Equestria or FOB Equestria. You can also watch the follow-up that they did. Uh, yesterday, the live stream is on there as well. And if I was to rank it, I have to give it a 10 out of 10. Probably one of the best things fan animation-wise you're going to see. Because, like I said, it feels like you're watching an actual episode. Uh, a lost episode, that is. And from a continuity standpoint, it feels like it takes place between seasons 8 and 9, if not in the middle of season 9 after Between Dark and Dawn. So, overall, check it out, guys. And that's all I'm going to say. And hats off to everybody involved. Hope to see more like this in the near future. Because if we see more of this, I guarantee you Hasbro and whoever they get animation-wise to do the new series of MLP is going to take notice and be like, okay, if that's the kind of stories they want or something similar to that, we're going to give it to them. So overall, guys, check it out. And, you know, just a bit of a side note. I think I mentioned this at the beginning. Uh, from what I can tell, just my own personal opinion, from what I can tell, it feels like that this is something that Josh Scorcher wanted to present at a convention this year, but because of what's been going on, um, couldn't do so. So he decided, hey, we're going to debut it on YouTube and we'll do a follow-up later on uh, as well, a live stream follow-up as well uh, later on. But my opinion is I believe Josh wanted to do this. He, you know, he wanted, well, wanted to premiere it at a convention, but because of, like I said, what's going on right now and everything being shut down or postponed, uh, didn't have a chance to really do so. But I hope he gets a chance to do so next year when the conventions restart. My suggestion uh, to Josh and to uh, Aramount and to anybody else involved that if financially you can rent out a theater, not just a room at the Hyatt, like in... Um, like in San Francisco, um, you know, on the outskirts of San Francisco, I should say, I can't even think of the city's <laughs> name. It's named right now. It's um, uh, it's eluding me. I do apologize. Um, but if you could, instead of renting out a, a room at the Hyatt doing Babs Con next year, my suggestion, try to find a local theater nearby, rent it out, at least rent out one room of it, Get as many people as you can in there if you can, and I think you will because things should be better by then, and show it on that big screen. Show it on that massive big screen, and I guarantee you, 
I guarantee you, if you do that, it will. It may just be like one or two showings, but it will get the attention of someone like Hasbro. I, ju I just feel it. I just feel it will get the attention of Hasbro more so than maybe what you would do at the Hyatt. Not saying that wouldn't do it, but still, you kind of get what I'm alluding to. But yeah, overall, I feel, but and I know I use that word a lot, my apologies. But I basically feel, but in the end, in conclusion, I feel that this is what Josh wanted to do. Originally, the plan was to debut it at a convention this year. But because of what's going on, that didn't happen. So they have to hold off until... Uh, next year possibly to put it on a big screen scenario for everybody to see but because like I said everything was canceled he decided to premiere it on YouTube and then like I say do the follow-up uh, live stream behind the scenes kind of deal panel like kind of deal uh, yesterday so overall though I highly recommend watching it it's very well done like I said it feels like and I can't emphasize this enough it feels like you're watching an episode of MLP Friendship is Magic a lost episode that takes place between seasons 8, 9, and if not in the middle of season 9 after Between Dark and Dawn. So overall guys, check it out. I think you'll enjoy it. Kudos, hats off to everybody involved. And that's all I can say. So let me know what you all think down below. Comment if you like. And I'm out.